Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Crime time, baby! Fear! Money! Nobody moves, nobody gets hurt! Sorry about your damn luck! You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 137, and it's an Impact Wrestling grab bag to celebrate 20 years of Impact. And of course, who else would I have on for this occasion than former guest and current co-host of You've Got to Be Kidding Me, which is also on the VUW network. It's Garrett Kidney. Hello again, Garrett. Hey, Andrew. As I rack up my record of most guested on Music of the Mad, I have to try and I'm not sure do I have that record even, but I have to I have to run up my number anyway, regardless. You're up there. You're up there. Yeah. I mean, I think this is your sixth time on the show overall, which uh, leaderboard wise, you are near the top. Absolutely. Yeah. Hell yeah. Suck at other people who have only been on like twice. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, um, well, listen, you know, I said earlier, Garrett, that uh, Impact is 20 years old and uh, VOW is doing this whole big Impact 20 project to go along with that. And I figured, hey, let's get in on the fun with an Impact episode because we've done these before plenty of times. Uh, you and I did ones about Jeff Jarrett, Low Key, uh, Jeff Hardy's TNA themes, James Storm's TNA themes. Uh, Andrew Sinclair was on the Impact TV themes episode, the Kurt Angle episode, Team 3D. So yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, crossing the line once again here, Garrett. Yeah, we will continue to be the new face. No, you're the new voice of professional. Ah, wrestling. yes. Yeah, see, see what it did there? Voices of wrestling. Clever, it's clever. Music of the mat. Very Word clever, play. sir. Yeah, it's, well, it's been 20 years, though, isn't it, Andrew? 20 years oh, of TNA. Oh, my God. It's, it, it's crazy, you know, because I remember finding this new little wrestling company on Fox Sports Net back in the day. And, uh, you know, who's this guy? AJ Styles? He's pretty good. And who's that guy? Monty Brown? He's cool. And... Raven, I've heard of him, yeah, and, and Jeff Jarrett, and Abyss, and Chris Sabin, and Alex Shelley, and Mikey Batts, Jarrell Clark, Buck Quartermain, Lex Lovett, like all the all the stars, all the stars are here, and it's like, yeah, that that was 18 years ago. That was 2000 and goddamn four. I was 11 years old, and now I'm almost 30, I pay rent and taxes, I'm leasing a car. What happened, Garrett? Where the hell did the time go? <laughs> It's just so upsetting. It's so every time I post like an anniversary and it's like, you know, AJ Styles first title win, which was on June 11th. That was 19 years ago. (laughs) I'm like, good God, where has all this time gone? Where has it disappeared? How has it flown on by? 
I still feel like everything, like every 2005 TNA anniversary shouldn't be any longer than like five years ago, tops, not 17 years ago. It's hard to think about all that time gone by, absolutely. But uh, but I figured, you know, a grab bag would be a good way to go here because it can symbolize all the different eras, different wrestlers, different looks, different time slots, different company names that Impact has had over the years because that company has gone through a lot in 20 years. It's two decades. That's a long-ass time for a company to be around. And, you know, there have been plenty of times where it looked like, okay, this is it. We hear the axe swinging. But somehow this company just keeps on going, Garrett. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I think like music has always been a big part of the company as well. Like They had an in-house composer from more or less the beginning, which is quite unusual. It's Dale Oliver producing his 100% entirely original uh, compositions. Oh, never sure, before sure. Heard. Yes, 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 but, yes. <laughs> like, in-house music, you had like Toby Keith on the very first show, of course. Uh, I had like legitimate major league musician. So like music has always been kind of central to TNA. And even when like half the roster comes out to Born and Raised in the USA, it's still, that's a new original song. I'm sure if Mr. Springsteen heard this song, he would have no problems with it whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, the word original is probably doing some heavy lifting there. <laughs> it's a song. I'll just go with it's a song. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know that uh, Slammiversary is one week away from this recording. And I got to say, I love what they've been doing with the TV intros lately, where they've recreated the classic Impact intros with Adrenaline Rush and cross the line and all those songs with the current roster. So um, it's been fun to, uh, you know, hit that nostalgia button with those intros, Garrett. I love them so much. Every time, every time Impact comes out, I literally, I don't even watch the episode anymore. I just watch the intro like literally hundreds of times. I will just loop the cross the line intro or the, the 05 intro, as you mentioned, or the 04 pay-per-view intro or whichever one we'll get this week. We still have one more to go before it's anniversary. Which could it be? You'd probably be able to guess. But... I, I love them. I love them. Like, I just love they hit me right in that nostalgia, especially at the, the start of Spike TV era one, that 05 one. That particular theme song is like my impact theme song. So to see that with, you know, like like the likes of Eddie Edwards and Ace Austin and Deanna Perazzo and all the people that are there now, it just hit me right in my nostalgia. I love them. Mm-hmm. And, and the drumming, of course, the doom, 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 TNA, the new face of professional wrestling and the big satellite dish and, you know, Monty Brown screaming, the sweat flying everywhere. Like when I see that, it just it brings me right back to the old days, Garrett. Absolutely. And um, the, the ending, the da, 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 fist punching the impact logo. Ah, it's everything I want in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my fingers crossed. Uh, the last one they do is the, of course, the 2010, 2011 Hogan Bischoff era. And we get to see, you know, Orlando Jordan and Sean Morley and Bubba the Love Sponge and the Nasty Boys. All the all the real legends of TNA that we all love so much, Garrett. It's just going to be a montage set to change me of Mick Foley forearming Bubba the Love Sponge in the face. Just that <laughs> for like 30, 35 seconds or whatever it is. Well, let's get to these themes here. Uh, like I said, it's a grab bag from various eras. So we've got old themes, current themes heavyweights, X-Division, knockouts, legends, sharks, a nice mix for sure. And uh, we'll play a lot of music by Dale Oliver, who you brought up earlier, Garrett. He was the main music guy in TNA for many years, uh, often with Serge Salinas as his cohort. And um, he's no longer in the company. He's been gone for a few years now. And uh, they mainly use library music nowadays. But uh, I do want to give him a shout out as well, because he made a lot of great and iconic themes in TNA over the years, uh, and a bunch of them are on this episode, too. So um, 
Dale, wherever you are, buddy, this one's for you. Yeah, you too, Surge. Shout out to Surge, by the way. He probably had the biggest moment of his life watching the Royal Rumble this year. And there's his voice blaring out for hardcore, hardcore country, country on the speakers yeah. and wherever the Rumble was this year and whatever that baseball stadium with 40,000 people. There's hardcore country and Surge, Dixie Carter's husband, singing out to the Royal Rumble. It's very funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just do me a favor and um, don't look up Surge on Twitter because, uh, yeah, oh, best to no. leave that stuff out of this, I think. Uh, <laughs> Is Surge problematic? Um, well, he retweets a lot of stuff that is uh, quite virulently against the current president, shall we say, and uh, uh, things like Black Lives Matter and vaccine mandates uh, and um, illegal immigrants and mainstream media. And uh, he's much more favorable towards uh, the previous president and Fox News and things like that. So, um, yeah, there you go. We'll just leave the memories in hardcore country. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, so... um. We'll start off here with theme number one, a very early TNA theme. So early, it was on the very first TNA show, June 19th, 2002, and it's for the late, great Scott Hall, who sadly died a few months ago. This is by Dale Oliver off of NWA TNA The Music Volume 1. This is Marvelous Me. case of uh, themeception here because this song is based on those shoes by the Eagles uh, even as the uh, Don Henley like vocals but the Razor Ramon theme Bad Boy was also based on that song it had the same beat to it um, this one references both at the same time here but uh, in this case the Eagles influence is a lot heavier than the Razor Ramon song which makes sense because you know this is not Razor Ramon it's Scott Hall so uh Leaving out any Latin influence is a, probably a good idea, Garrett. Yeah, leaving that behind in the year 2002 is probably wise, making it as Scott Hall influenced as he possibly can. It is funny to think, like, the people they gave original theme songs to at the start that were just, you know, they had the catch-all songs that covered, like, seven people at once. But, like, Jarrett got his own song. Shamrock got his own song. Styles got his own song. Actually, no, he didn't. Styles waited a while to get in his own song. So Styles still came out the Born Waves. And Paul got his own song. So there's like three people got their own songs at the start. And of course, Scott Hall, he's one of them. He should get his own song. And I, w- I won't say it's the best of them, because My World is still the best of those songs. They hit an absolute, absolute banger from the very start. But I, I think this, this is my favorite Scott Hall theme song. I think this is like better than the Wolfpack theme. That's how, how I think of Marvel as me. That may be a hot take, but I tend to agree, actually. I love this theme. Uh, it has that swagger that every great Scott Hall theme needs to really work. And has that cocky menace as well with the lyrics. My arms are as big as mountains. My eyes are as cold as ice. My legs are as fast as a stallion. 
racing the big blue sky. As we prepare for the battle, we hear the judge's bell. One thing you can count on. Everywhere you turn, you'll see Marvelous Me. And it's a big soaring chorus. Just really good theme here. One of the better early Dale themes for sure. And uh, it just fits Scott Hall like a glove, Garrett. Yeah, because the, the earliest I Love Era music was just all over the place. You know, 17 people had Abyss, Abyss's theme before <laughs> it landed in Abyss's hands. Like, that was Monty's theme, the theme at first. And you had all those generic, terrible songs that people would come out to. And then you just have this, like, legit banger, this legit, like, real catchy song. And I was always upset because, you know, Scott Hall would come in and out through, through the years, through the early years. And there'd be times where he'd just use an instrumental version. And listen, the instrumental version is still pretty good, but I always missed when they didn't use the lyrics because, as you said, the lyrics are perfect. They perfectly sum up who Scott all is mm -hmm. yeah i agree i do prefer the vocals version over the instrumental absolutely um even though like most of the lyrics are just the chorus repeated over and over and over again which uh, is another dale trademark for sure but um i still prefer that over just the instrumental garrett he just wants you to make sure you know just how marvelous he is he's marvelous <laughs> it's marvelous him marvelous him andrew did you realize he's marvelous Hey, I mean, listen, everywhere you turn, you'll see Marvelous Him. Like, it's in the song right there, you know, just a, a 360 turn. You'll see him no matter what. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, but yeah, rest in peace, Scott Hall. Uh, I actually first saw him in TNA way back when, which uh, not the best intro to Scott Hall, I think, given all the issues he had going on for him during that whole time period. But um, we did get this theme song out of it. So that's something at least, Garrett. I think Scott Hall is like sneakily important to TNA as a guy who only made like probably 30 appearances tops in his entire TNA run. Like he was in the very first segment in company history where they buried the gauntlet for the gold main event. He was then in said gauntlet for the gold main event. He was in, like an instrumental part of the first pay-per-view. If you remember that main event was Victory Road 04, which was Jarrett and Hardy. And that entire thing was built around the formation of the Kings of Wrestling with Scott Hall, Nash and Jarrett. And then he was in, like, they didn't main event the next show because Triple X and AMW did, but they were in the six man tag team match on that next, uh, that second pay per view as well. And then, like, skip all the way forward to 2010 and the most watched segment in the history of the entire company on television. And fair enough, that's due to Hulk Hogan debuting more than Scott Hall being in it, but Scott Hall was in it. Like, the most watched segment, January 4th, 2010, that, like, minute that went above, like, 3 million viewers, I think, when Hogan debuted. Hall was in the ring. So, like, sneakily important to company history for a guy that you wouldn't consider a TNA guy. Mm -hmm. uh, he also brought back the ICP to Impact at uh, Turning Point 2008, sitting in the crowd there. So, uh, listen, when you bring back the Juggalos, that's a big deal too, Garrett. Yeah, and the, the funny thing is, like, he was meant to be on Turning Point 07 in that main event, yes. which he famously no-showed, and he showed up to the event a year later. Which is, he's just just a big mix-up. Just... Just a big oopsie-daisy with a calendar app on his phone, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> he just walked out, so it's like, oh, so I'm teaming with Joe and Nash tonight, right? It's like, Scott, that was a year ago. Theme number two, and it's for former TNA World Heavyweight Champion and former Tag Champion, current Dirty Dog. Yes, it's Bobby Roode. And uh, this theme is from when Bobby turned heel on James Storm and Beer Money broke up in 2011. This is by Dale Oliver and Serge Salinas, and it's called... Off the chain. I'm off the chain. Time to go against the grain. I'm off the chain. Never gonna be the same. 
Ah, the dulcet tones of Serge Salinas. When you need some southern-tinged rock vocals, he's your guy. And uh, it's funny, with Bobby Roode, usually I like the themes more than I actually like him. Uh, and this song is kind of in line with that. I do like this one a lot, and um, it does make sense that when Beer Money split up, James Storm, the face, got the more southern, fun, good-time party song with Longnecks and Rednecks, while Rude, the heel, got the more serious, straightforward song with Off the Chain. So the tone of each theme plays into their characters really well, Garrett, I think. Yeah, and you get, like, the, the violin intros and, the, like, the big... There's, like, an orchestral version they had before this one, which is, like, the lyrical version. So it kind of goes back to the rude, classy, money guy character as well that kind of works for him as opposed to just, like, Storm is the, the redneck brawling cowboy, longnecks and rednecks. Uh, and I, every time I'm, the, I'm on the show, I will correct the record <laughs> about the quality of longnecks and rednecks. I will never let you live that down. <laughs> it wasn't even It you. wasn't it was me. It wasn't me. He's been off the show for years now. Come on. <laughs> I will never let it down. <laughs> but he gets that kind of classy, like... like orchestral kind of song that I kind of like Rude isn't the rich guy character anymore but I think it does kind of call back to the rich guy character because he's more like the leader of the selfish generation the it factor that kind of stuff that during these days my like prevailing memory of this song is TNA were on tour it was either like early 2012 or early 2013 it was one of those tours and Rude came out to the song and I just belted it was in Manchester I just belted out the lyrics by myself sitting there just screaming I'm off the chain never gonna be the same it's a good song it's a very very singable song in the crowd <laughs> well it helps if there's more people singing it than just you I think but uh, yeah sure let's go with that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you just want to be look out world my time has come <laughs> I, I, I did notice this. Um, Rude was a heel with this song. But if you read the lyrics, they're not that heelish. Look out world, my time has come. New life for me's begun. Open the gates and watch me run towards my new freedom. See the rusty stains from years of pain. Reminds me of who I am. Feel the scars on my beaten heart. Redemption, heal this man. On the one hand, yes, that does line up with the whole beer money split. He's now a singles guy. He's on his own. This is now his time. But on the other hand, not exactly the devious lyrics that a heel might have. They're they're more neutral, Garrett, I'd say. Especially for a dude who had turned heel by smashing a beer bottle over his partner's head and stealing his world championship. Which is a pretty, it's like, redemption heel, this man. Really, Bobby? Redemption here? I think I think we talked about it this on the 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 storm episode we did, but like you always get that like dilemma. Usually, when tag team split, you don't always get two good tag teams theme songs when they go singles. And we did here, where we got two really good theme songs for Storm and Rude. Mm-hmm, right, right. And uh, you mentioned that orchestral instrumental that he had. Uh, there are different versions of this song. There is a regular instrumental, uh, this one with the lyrics, and then that orchestral song, which um, I guess that does solve the problem of the lyrics. Because it's like, okay, he's the champion, he has the symphony, it's all majestic and pompous and prestigious, uh, playing up that whole, you know, heel arrogance and all that. But uh, personally, I, I do prefer the lyrics version here myself. Um, not my favorite song in the world, but I do prefer this one over the other ones, Garrett. If I can sing them out loud in public, I think they're pretty good lyrics. <laughs> yeah, it just, it works for Bobby. It's a, it's a very good Bobby song. Don't we, I have to talk about Surge briefly, because I think this is, oh no, the next song is a Surge song too, but still. Surge, I think, has the distinction of throwing the worst punch in the history, in the 20-year history of TNA wrestling. When was this? 
the, the summer of 2012, there was the AJ Styles, Claire Lynch, Dixie Carroll. Oh, story. boy. Okay. Everybody's favorite story in wrestling, where the story was that Daniels and Kazarian were accusing AJ Styles of having secret relations with President Dixie Carter and then getting like career advancement favors because of that. And when they accused AJ of doing that, Surge came out and threw a punch at AJ, and there was like, a, a gaping chasm, Grand Canyon style, <laughs> between where Perta Surge's hand was and where AJ Styles' face was. And AJ took like the biggest comical bump you could possibly take because he's the husband of the president of the company and you kind of have to, but terrible punch thrown by Surge then. Terry Funk somewhere in Texas just sits up. There's been a disturbance in the force. <laughs> the worst wrestling punch ever has been thrown. You could just just picture that in your head, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> he just shot out of bed. It's like that company I worked for all the way back in 04. I remember meeting that surge guy. <laughs> we gotta fix the timeline before it's too late. Gotta go back. <laughs> Up next, we're gonna go to the knockouts division and talk about the theme for Madison Rain. Former Knockouts champion, uh, current Knockouts tag champ as well. Uh, former member of the Beautiful People. Ah, ba The Beautiful People. The ba- Sorry, couldn't help myself. Uh, <laughs> Rain's theme is by Dale Oliver, Serge Salinas, and Charlie Sheets. This is Killa Queen. <laughs> That's not Freddie Mercury. What's going on here? <laughs> Where is Brian May and the gang at? Um, no, but look, this song, it rocks. Uh, this is a great theme. I love the powerful vocals, the mix of the guitar and the synth strings. Again, never really a big Madison Rain fan, but this song rules. And um, I know that in high school, Madison was a homecoming queen. And, you know, on Impact, she would wear the tiara and the sash and do the wave and all that stuff. So it, it fits the gimmick well, too, Garrett. You're saying she's a shoot killer queen? Well, I don't know about killer, but queen, yeah, sure. <laughs> she lives up to the queen part. We, you know, killer. I'm not accusing like, her of any so murders. Good. Let's be clear on that. You know, she's she seems nice. You know, so <laughs> like this theme is so good that like Madison Ray is obviously known for coming and going quite a lot in, in Impact history, and every time she comes back and does not have this theme song, which is actually right now one of these moments is right now. I'm always a little sad. That it's like oh. Don't come out to Janelle Dashwood's theme for the influence. Call it, come out to Killer Queen for the influence. <laughs> come on, this theme rules. It's maybe one of the best knockout themes in Impact history. Like, there's a few really good ones. I think like Alyssa Flash, banger for a character like that. 
Uh, Beautiful People Works for the Beautiful People, also a very good song. Kong, all a very good song, but not like one you'd probably listen to. Those are like ones that are very good for characters. But I think Madison Rains might be the best, like the, this theme song is the best knockout theme song ever. It's up there, yeah. I mean, I think a song we'll play later on has a good shot at that too. But um, mm. yeah, but but it's funny, you know, the music here is pretty effervescent and upbeat, but the lyrics are quite intense. She'll break your heart, tear it apart, just to watch you scream. She longs for the fight and blood in the night, the killer you fear in your dreams. Her love is a burning rain. Her judgment runs through your veins. All kings to the guillotine. Like, it's Madison Rain, for God's sake. Like, why are her lyrics so <laughs> intense, Garrett? It's wild. It's like, this should be the theme for Relic. That's gonna spell backwards. Or Black Rain, or New Jack. <laughs> Not <laughs> Madison Rain. <laughs> Maybe Dale Oliver knew something we didn't about the the killer nature of Madison Rain. <laughs> it's like she's a spooky character. Like her presence will haunt your mind. It's like Madison Rain. She's not Sue Young. She's not Daphne. And uh, they did a remix of this song that was like extra poppy and upbeat with acoustic guitars and clapping and all that. And the music sounds so nice. And you just hear blood in the night to the killer you fear. Like the dichotomy <laughs> is still very weird, but um, that remix is good too, Garrett. I, I do like that one too. I, I always wonder with themes like this, it's like the Dale write this for somebody else. And he just had it sitting around. It's like, Ugh, guess it'll work for Madison. <laughs> Queen gimmick. You say I have just the thing for her. Yes. <laughs> I dips into his extensive portfolio of songs about murdering people. And it's like, Oh, this, this will do. This will do nicely. Charlie sheets, by the way, I looked him up. Uh, this is not the only TNA theme he's done. He also did the vocals for the Crimson theme, Not a Stranger to the Danger. And he also sang in the vocal version of the Impact TV theme, Sinister Rise Above. So uh, there you go, Garrett. Some Charlie Sheets fun facts for you. I will say, Not a Stranger to the Danger is the best thing about Crimson. There's <laughs> very little else good about Crimson, frankly. But that theme song is pretty darn good. Well, I don't know who this Crimson guy is. Um, I do know who Mayweather is of the Veterans of War tag team, but uh, Crimson, no, I'm drawing a blank on that one. Yeah, the Veterans of War infringing on the VOW wrestling space, which mm. we should have never allowed. No, no, no. Get our get our lawyer stat, right? <laughs> yeah, so. Theme number four, and we're going to go to one of the cult favorites of TNA history, the cult favorite of TNA. Yes, it's the one and only Shark Boy. Beloved by all, and Sharkboy's theme that we'll talk about here is one he had before the Stone Cold Sharkboy gimmick. This is by Dale Oliver off of Third Degree Burns, the music of Teeny Wrestling Volume 1. This is Eat Me. Yeah! <laughs> 
Okay, Dale, we need a theme for Shark Boy. What do you got? Hmm. How about this? Dale, Dale, Dale. Too obvious, man. Too obvious. What else you got? Okay, okay. Uh, how about this? He's done it. By God, he's done it. It's it's perfect. Just the creative genius at play here, Garrett. It's amazing. All right. So I think I have a theory here. I think Steven Spielberg was working on this film called Jaws. And the first composer he had was a, a very, very young man named Dale Oliver. And Dale composed this brilliant piece of music. It was suspenseful. It had the tension. It made you think the shark could pop up at any moment. It was so sinister. But then Dale got distracted and Steven Spielberg kicked him off the project. And just, just, just nobody out of nowhere came out of there. It's like John Williams. Uh, let's just throw his name onto this theme, I guess. Even though Dale Oliver obviously did all the work. And then fast forward 30 years or whatever to when he was making this DNA theme song. He was like, <laughs> John Williams stole my work and then had a very successful career in Hollywood. I'll show it. him. But I'll take it back for this comical pro wrestling character. And this is where you get the song, Eat Me, by, by Dale Oliver for Shark Boy. That's where it came from. It's not It's not plagiarism. It's not that they watched Jaws, or it's not that they Googled shark music on the day they asked him to make a Shark Boy <laughs> theme. And this is what he came up with. It's that he actually originated this piece of music and it was stolen from him. That is a very fun story that I wish to God was true. <laughs> I think it's 100% true. There's no way of proving it otherwise. Uh, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. But but look, in all seriousness, it doesn't take that much effort to make a Shark Boy theme, does it? Like, got the Jaws motif in there with the two notes. You get wave sound effects, some seagull sound effects. Put some reverb guitar in there, make it sound nice and menacing. Boom, there you go. Theater of the mind. Um, I mean, when when the gimmick is... Shark Boy? There's not much room for wild creativity to make a theme in the first place, Garrett, you know? Listen, Shark Boy has had two gimmicks. There is Shark Boy and Stone Cold Shark Boy. And when it's Shark Boy, it's just do the Jaws theme. It's fine. And when it's Stone Cold Shark Boy, it's just do the Steve Austin theme. It's fine. <laughs> we'll do the Steve Austin music, but we'll carry over those same two notes from Eat Me. Dano, 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 dano. So, you know, once again... Genius at work, Dale Oliver, explaining the character perfectly through the song. Yes, he's a Stone Cold impersonator, but his core essence is still very much uh, that of a shark. So uh, just brilliant stuff again here, Garrett. It is. He's a genius. He understands that these two things are very popular. So what if I put them together in a, once again, wholly original composition and people will understand the character so thoroughly deeply? Shark Boy can run around with like Popeye and all the other people Shark Boy is friends with, and Curry Man and New Jack and D Ray 3000 and Mad Mikey and Norman Smiley and all his pals, and they'll recognize he's a shark. Mm. It's a shame that uh, D Ray 3000 wasn't in the company when they did the Stone Cold Shark Boy thing because we could have gotten D Rock 3000. Huh? huh? I mean, what, what could have been, Garrett? What could have been? They could have done a big trilogy of matches over like five years between Shark Boy and D Ray 3000. <laughs> the defining legacy of TNA is like three Bound for Glory main events out of five just main evented by Sharky against D Ray. Fear the fro. We always fear the fro. I need to beat you, D Ray. 
I need to beat you more than you can ever imagine. <laughs> I now desperately, desperately need somebody to cut together a My Way package with Sharkboy and D-Ray 3000. <laughs> and uh, we could have gotten, like, uh, Sharkboy turning heel and joining forces with Dixie Carter. Stone Cold Sharkboy has sold his soul to the devil himself. I oh, you might as well urinate on D-Ray. <laughs> yeah, because the first Dixieland match was Magnus being her champion. And of course, in this alternate timeline, it would be Sharkboy in the first Dixieland match as they push over that ladder and Jeff Hardy is screwed. And it's Sharkboy <laughs> winning the belt. Sorry, it would be D-Ray on the ladder. Never mind, Jeff. Get out of here. D-Ray's on the Dixieland match on the ladder. Yeah. I'm always happy to see Shark Boy pop up every now and again, you know. And um, outfits looking a little snug these days, I think. Uh, maybe maybe a little too much uh, chum in the diet, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But uh, look, he's a TNA legend. Great character. And uh, belly or not, I love the guy. So there you go, Garrett. That was legitimately his character for a while. There was that 2013. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Lying on a chair eating donuts. But we did. We just had Shark Boy in like the Gauntlet for the Gold a couple of months ago, or not a couple of weeks ago at this stage. But him and Shelly and Saban just, you know, doing triple teams and doing like the shark fin stuff together in a ring in 2022. It's uh, just my memories. my 2006 X Division nostalgia went like through the roof because I had that uh, that Best of the X Division Volume Two DVD with like the animated cover that everyone I think really really likes and. I watched that DVD like front to back seven times. So the, that DVD has a ton of Shelly and a ton of Saban and a ton of Shark Boy. And seeing them in the ring in 2022 warmed my heart. Mm -hmm, definitely. So we've had a good amount of classic themes so far. Let's go to something a little bit more current. And uh, it's for Eddie Edwards. Uh, Eddie, a triple crown champion in Impact History. Uh, currently a bad guy in the Honor No More stable. And... Um, his most recent theme that he had right before Honor No More is the one we'll talk about here. It's by Forever the Fallen from the Reverb Nation Music Library, and it's called I Am the Fire. Up in my hands, your glass jaw don't stand a chance. You use your words like bullets, I use my fists like bullets. I'm done with cheap shots and you face. I'm gonna be your last mistake. Use your words like bullets, gonna use my fists like bullets. Letting all hell So when I was making the list of themes for this episode, I had a lot to choose from. And uh, Garrett, I'll be honest, I would have felt pretty bad if I didn't include this. Because I swear to God, you must have tweeted out, I am the fire, whoa. Probably, I think, 500 times whenever Eddie came out to this song. So as a birthday present, here you go, my friend. Thank you. I love this song. When Eddie Edwards turned on Team Impact to join Honor to More, Everyone was like, oh, no, I'm shocked. I'm devastated. You know, Eddie's been a good guy for eight years, and now he's turned on Impact and betrayed everybody. And my first thought was like, 
oh no, he's not going to use I am the fire anymore. I was legitimately upset. I was like, no, all I do with life is shout, I am the fire. Whoa. Apparently that's also like a, a, just a plague at impact taping, particularly during the pandemic era where like Eddie would make his entrance and just everyone would be like, for the rest of the day, I am the fire. Whoa. Because it is just insanely, ridiculously catchy. And I love this theme song so much. Yeah, I mean, it's your standard modern rock song about fighting and rising up. I'm taking back what's mine. You can't hold me down. I am the fire. Whoa. Got this padlock wrapped up in my hands. Your glass jaw don't stand a chance. You use your words like bullets. I use my fists like bullets. I'm done with the cheap shots and you fakes. I'm going to be your last mistake. And, you know, it's, it's typical aggressive lyrics. And in this case, you know, it worked for this recent Eddie Edwards character of the past few years because he's always been like fighting spirit wrestler guy. But the last few years, he did have a harder, darker edge to him. You know, he had the Singapore cane and the jean shorts and all that. And he wasn't the clean cut American Wolves Eddie Edwards. He was, you know, Tommy Dreamer cosplayer Eddie Edwards. So uh, the extra aggressiveness of the song here works well for that character shift gear yeah and this is like right after sammy callahan broke his face and then he lost his mind as eddie edwards is wont to do these days he's a very much a man for losing his mind and this is like it does reflect that he he's, he's like he's still a baby face he's still a good guy but he's still like now he's kind of a little unhinged a little like less willing to take shit less willing to to just be the good guy for good side guy's sake he will hit you with a sing cane and attempt to murder you if need be which he has done to like Tommy Dreamer, Sammy Callahan, and Killer Cross through <laughs> the run of that character. And a little bit of Moose as well. He does enjoy just trying to murder people. But yeah, it, it works. And it's, it's a very catchy song. And there was a period like right after, you know, fans came back 2020 when like the fans just started singing this song. And I think that's literally entirely my doing, just tweeting, I am the fire, whoa, all the time. But the fans started like serenading him. I remember it was the main event he had with W. Morrissey on one of the Impact Plus specials. And the, the crowd are just fully singing his song as he comes out. And it's like, oh, that's very nice. And there was the moment, I think, like 2019, where him and Rich Swan were serenading each other with it on TV, which it's just such a catchy song. You ha- can't help but serenade each other with I Am The Fire, whoa. Oh, I like the song. It's pretty good. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I prefer it when Eddie wears like normal wrestling tights and his normal hair. And this whole run of him in the jeans and the... The weird, like, dreadlock mohawk thing he had or whatever and all that's Like, a, not a big fan of that look, you know? And, and thankfully, he is now back in the tights, and the mohawk is more normal. Um, it's just that the song is also gone, too, which, um, you know, I mean, I guess with the heel turn and joining Honor No More, it, it makes sense in that regard, Garrett, you know? I will say, Honor Mo- No More's theme, secret banger. That, that theme is really good. But it's no I Am The Fire, whoa, whoa, is it, Garrett? Be honest, be honest. Yeah, it's a real... It's really not. I like the way you and I probably had the different reaction to Eddie Curry. You were like, oh, thank God, he might have a cure back. And I'm like, no, the song! <laughs> yes, yes. The, uh, the Wario meme. I have won, but at what cost? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, outfits and hairstyles aside, I've always been a big, you know, Eddie Edwards fan. I love the guy, you know, as a singles and with the Wolves, you know. And uh, he's a Boston guy, too. So, you know, big love for him in that respect, too. So, um. Yeah, and uh, and at this point, you know, he's like the biggest impact stalwart on the roster because Chris Saban left and he came back, Eric Young left and he came back, 
But Eddie's been there a long-ass time now without leaving, and he's won all the big titles, and he's, you know, main-evented pay-per-views. So, um, yeah, a pretty nice run there for uh, old Edward Edwards, Garrett. It's pretty cool. I feel he doesn't get enough respect as an impact guy. And maybe that's just because, like, he was very well known for Processing Noah. He was very well known for Ring of Honor beforehand. But when you mention, like, TNA guys, you're like AJ Styles, Chris Fanning, Small Joe, James Storm, Bobby Roode, Chris Saban, Alex Shelley. Like, in that same breath, Abyss should be Eddie Edwards. Because, as you mentioned, won everything, done everything, every role up and down the card, tag belts with, with, uh, Davy Richards, X Division runs, uh, world title runs multiple times over, all of it. He's he's a TNA guy through and through. He's now eight and a half years there straight, which, uh, as you said, I do believe is the longest consistent run there right now. I think probably second is probably Rosemary, right? From 2016 onwards? I'd say so, as far as going off the top of my head, anyway. Yeah, so in terms of like the current longest consistent run, he he has the the second person beat by two years, so like he's he's an impact guy, he's a TNA guy, and even if he does go on to do something else, and even even obviously as we mentioned, he's he's very well known for things he did before TNA as well. But I I do think he should be included in the same breath as all the people I mentioned there, because he is right up there with Samoa Joe and Christopher Daniels and AJ Styles as a guy who has been legitimately great in this company for eight and a half years now. Mm-hmm, for sure. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Theme number six, and it's another Knockouts wrestler, a Knockouts legend. It's Gail Kim, first-ever Knockouts champion back in 07, uh, Impact Hall of Famer as well, and... Uh, her theme we'll talk about here is by Dale Oliver, Serge Salinas, and Sean Patrick McGraw. It's from the 2013 EP Deliver, and it's called Puppets on a String. are those of evil schemes. Invisible leashes keep us tied to the fiend. Our bodies beaten for her emotional game. In Hell's Theater, she's the master of the play. Garrett, what sort of BDSM hijinks are we looking at here? Like, is this is this a wrestling theme? Is it erotic literature? What's, what's going on here, my man? <laughs> 
I'm sorry, I lost it at The Fiend. My brain just went to too many different places when the words The Fiend came up, and I was just, <laughs> I couldn't focus on anything else now. It's like a BDSM Fiend song. Bray Wyatt's just going to break out here with leather and start hanging people up and doing things to them. This is like the Madison Rain song. It's like, what are you getting out in these songs here, Dale Oliver? Like, when you think about the Brooke Tessmacher ITs You Touch song as well. Right, like, right, yeah, yeah. Dale, what is going on in your mind when you're writing these knockout theme songs? I mean, listen, if Gail Kim wants me to eat defeat, I'm open to it, all right? Just, you know, there's there's a time and a place for that stuff. There's a time and a place, okay? It's not a wrestling ring. <laughs> but, but listen, listen, um, you know, any BDSM illusions aside, uh, this is, I think, similar to Kill a Queen. Because uh, I think musically it's it's heavier and more aggressive, but, but lyrically it hits those same notes. She's the one in charge. She's pulling the strings. We're just the marionettes, and she'll cut you down if you don't play along and all that stuff. So, again, is it sexually charged at times? Absolutely. But for someone who was, you know, the big dog of the Knockouts division for so long, again, first champion, seven-time champion, most days combined as champ overall, the dominating puppet master imagery does fit really well in that case. And just in general, it's a really good theme too, Garrett. And when you think about when she used this theme song, because she had her first run in TNA where she became the first Knockouts champion and she was like the plucky, never-say-die girl-next-door character, you know, the very wholesome baby face. And now when she comes back in 2011, it's more like, I am the experienced ass-kicker. I am the person who's not taking any shit anymore. She came back as a heel, you know, teaming with Madison Rain. That she's no longer like the, the wholesome heart of the division. Now she's like, I'm the experienced killer who's just going to take this belt and keep it forever because I'm that damn good. And I think that, that it does very well reflect that kind of shift in character. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, this is another one where there's all sorts of different versions and intros. Um, there's an instrumental, there's the normal lyric version, there's this one, the sword intro, which, you know, sword cutting strings, that kind of lines up there. And um, there's also a Playtime is Over intro as well, which uh, I think many a dominatrix has said that phrase over the years, Garrett. So, <laughs> hey, look, once again, it all ties together there, so... <laughs> yeah, and the, the sword intro started in, like, 2015 when she was doing this, like, weird ninja character for a few weeks that didn't really stick, <laughs> but she came out wearing all leather and, like, kicking people's asses. I mean, leather? A woman who beats people up? I'm, I'm just saying, I'm listen, I think... <laughs> Dale's proclivities might have been leaking out into the booking, Garrett. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, Dale is just, he has emotions that he needs to express. And apparently he does them via knockouts theme songs. Yeah, but um, but in all seriousness, Gail is, of course, again, Impact legend. Uh, one of only two women in the Impact Hall of Fame. Uh, the other being Awesome Kong, which makes sense because, you know, their feud back in the day, that put the knockouts division on the map and legitimized it. And they're tied together forever now. I mean, uh, last year they did the uh, NWA and Power show, and um, that's where Kong announced a retirement. And Gail was in the ring for that. And, you know, they had this big emotional moment together. And it was all very, very nice. So, um, yeah, I think overall Gail has left a very big and positive impact. Well, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> on that division, on the company just in general. So, um, yeah, I think Gail deserves all the plaudits that she gets. And, and same with Kong, too, of course. And like that Gail Kim Awesome Kong feud is, you know, one of the most important matches in the history of US women's wrestling. Like that's not overstating it. There's there's going to be matches that people will look back on and they will look back on Gail Kim and Awesome Kong as doing women's wrestling on a national level 
in a US company in a way that just was not done, even by people like Trish and Lita beforehand. Like this was just ferocious competitors. They were wrestlers first and foremost. And I think that inspired the generation we see today. And then something like Sasha and Bailey will inspire like the next generation. And I think those two matches will like sit on a pedestal, uh, particularly the Sasha Bailey Brooklyn match. Like those two matches will sit on a pedestal as two of the most important influential matches in the history of US women's wrestling. And very, very rightfully so. Like Gail Kim fought for the knockouts division. Like she was the impetus behind it. And the women around that scene at that time, like they had to push for it. They had to fight for it. They had to be like, we can do this, give this to us. And when they did, they hit it out of the park, home run. They're like, we pr they proved that women's wrestling can be like a mainstream national level draw on television where it's like frequently they would be the most watched segments on the show. They would main event shows. They'd be, as I said, treated as actual women's competitors and like not always through the knockouts run. There is still some periods, you know, post the last challenge of the knockouts division where they didn't always earn the reputation they had like cultivated as a place where serious women get to wrestle. But as a general rule, in the now nearly 15 years since, oh God, that makes me feel old too, in the, the nearly 15 years since the launch of the division, the Knockouts division has been first and foremost the place for wrestlers. And some people jumped on that bandwagon and used it as a very big marketing beat in, say, 2015, 2016. But it started from 2007 with Gail Kim, Awesome Kong, ODB, Roxy, the beautiful people, those people defining a division. And added bdsm as a bonus so i mean listen <laughs> yes. the best of both worlds garrett the best of both worlds <laughs> second to last theme and it's for the current x division champion the inevitable ace austin who i just saw in the best of the super juniors over in new japan and he had a great tour and got really over with the japanese fans and of course they put him in bullet club because of course but regardless ace's theme here is by oliver spink and christopher white this is from the Crossbreed Music Library. It's called Pumped to Win. This is a great theme. I love this one a lot. Uh, catchy is all hell. You talk about I'm the Fire being catchy. This one gets stuck in my head. And um, it's kind of like Need for Speed menu music, in my opinion. And uh, I think it, it fits Ace like a glove because this song is like this cool electronica. Sounds, you know, kind of alluring and dangerous. And Ace's whole thing is like underground rave club magician with yes. the gambit stick and the playing cards and all that. 
He's got the, the purple and black color scheme and slinking around the ring with the parkour. So, yeah, this fits Ace to a T, Garrett. I think library music gets a bad rap in professional wrestling. Because we have two library songs on this list. One is Eddie Edwards, the other is Ace Austin's. And I think both work thoroughly for the characters, both are extremely catchy, and both are just good pieces of music. And I think a lot of the time people are like, oh, it's very lazy to use library music instead of having original compositions. And like some, some instances I would agree, but you can make very good, very smart use of library music if you're willing to actually search out a piece of music that works and fits the character, which I don't think a lot of people that use library music actually bother to do that. And here we have Ace Austin, a very good instance of like a perfect piece of music for him that was not composed for him. They just went through the effort of finding the actual right theme song. I agree. Yeah, that's in my notes as well, actually. And, um, you know, I, I do miss Dale. And I think having someone like him making themes specifically for the wrestlers can only be a benefit for the presentation. You know, look at Mikey Ruckus in AEW as a good example of that. It's just, yeah, this is a library song and it's good. It, it fits Ace Austin really well. But like you said, I think in a lot of cases, they tend to get a bit lazy in terms of selections and you'll wind up with, you know, 7,000 rock guitar instrumentals, which we've had so many of them, and it gets really boring and samey, and they don't really stand out in any way. Whereas, yeah, if you take the time to parse through the catalogs and find stuff that is maybe off the beaten path, but can still work for the wrestler, then go for it. I have no problem with that. It's just, again, laziness and repetitiveness in terms of picking these just rock guitar instrumentals over and over and over again um but yeah this is a library song and it's great garrett yeah yeah like pro wrestling theme songs are a very unique beast which is the reason it is usually good to have somebody in-house who understands like all right you need a a, a good hook and a strong opening which is usually like the the most important thing for pro wrestling theme songs particularly the strong opening like the recognizable music hits and that's that everyone knows like the austin glass shatter is the cliche example but like that that is pro wrestling theme songs you need something people are that is instantly recognizable as opposed to like a song that's a slow burn so that, that's the reason you you would like people in-house to get like to get that and want something to throw the sword sound on the start of puppets and on a string so people get to the scale cam. But yeah, you can do a good job if you, you're smart enough to dig down because there's tons of music in these libraries. Some of it is bound to fit somebody. Yeah, just got to find them. Just <laughs> keep searching, do a little digging. Yeah, but um, but back to this song, you know, I, I love the little vocal drops in there. ah and break and I, 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 I. And um, there's one part where it does the John Cena and I'm just, I'm waiting for it to go up a but it never does, Garrett. It never does, unfortunately. I was disappointed you didn't use this theme in the Best of Super Juniors. I'm not sure, is it a, an issue with it being a library track? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think but... it's I think it's a case of just they couldn't get the rights to it, so they either had to give him a dub theme or just make a new one entirely, and Kitamura made him a new one. So yeah, he's got a New Japan theme out of it, so that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, I, I still prefer this theme over that one, but uh, still, I think the New Japan theme, they did a good job of, of making that fit Ace 2, Garrett. Yeah, they sure did. Time now for the final theme of the episode, and um, there have been a lot of big names and legends in TNA and Impact over the years, Garrett. Mm-hmm. AJ Styles, Jeff Jarrett, Kurt Angle, Sting, Mick Foley, the list goes on and on, but naturally, we can only end this with the Flying Elvises. That's right. Jimmy Yang, Sonny Siaki, and Jorge Estrada, they were in the first match 
on TNA pay-per-view against AJ Styles, Jerry Lynn, and Loki. And they won because comedic sports entertainment gimmicks triumph over boring work rate wrestlers, Garrett, every time, every single time. Of course they won. Uh, never mind the fact that Styles, Loki, and Lynn would be in the X Division title match the following week. <laughs> Who cares about logical booking that you're going to throw those guys in the title match so even though they literally just lost to a bunch of men in Elvis costumes, but the bunch of men in Elvis costumes, very entertaining. Also, they, they're like, there is the, the the famous story, like they were supposed to be the very first thing you saw in TNA history. That the show was supposed to open with the six-man tag between the Flying Elvis, Styles, Lynn, and Loki. But then Cheeks broke the ring in the pre-show, so they had to shuffle about the card so that the legend ceremony that, if you go back and watch, did open the show. That was supposed to be second. They pulled that forward while Don Harris fixed the ring at ringside because Cheeks broke it by sitting on a man. So these these were supposed. this was supposed to be like the very first song you heard in TNA history had Cheeks not intervened. Again, time machine. Got to go back and fix this stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, well, um, the Flying Elvis' theme is by Dale Oliver, and it's from NWA TNA The Music Volume 1. This is Flying to Graceland. this ends the show on a high note because I unironically love this song and I've seen like maybe I don't know one or two Flying Elvis matches in my life but I've played this song for years and it's exactly what you would think a Dale Oliver Flying Elvis's theme would be Elvis vocals big swinging guitars southern boogie strut lyrics that are repeated ad nauseum flying to Graceland kinda like Superman Go into Graceland to see the king, cause he ain't dead. It's just so obvious and dumb and beautiful, and I love it, Garrett. So we were talking about the people they did theme songs for at the stars. And think about the names they didn't. Like ancient AJ, who got born and raised in the USA, and so did Jerry Lynn. And Storm and Harris, and even like the Duffs and the Johnsons didn't get their own theme songs. But they're like, this Elvis gimmick is money. We need, <laughs> from the very first show to give this Elvis gimmick its own theme song and Dale Oliver, the natural pro that he is, I hope this is the first song he composed for TNA history. They're like, Dale, we need songs for Jarrett, Shamrock, um, Hall, and th these Elvises. There are a bunch of Elvises. There'll be X Division guys wearing Elvis costumes. Don't worry about it. Just do an Elvis song. And he's like, Elvis song first, obviously. This is the, this is my priority. And it is annoyingly catchy. And if you remember, the if you notice, the Elvis has left the building, oh yeah, is done by Jeremy Borash. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say that that sounds a lot like Jeremy Borash at the beginning and the end there. 
He's a musical genius of his own right. I think it is the only theme song he's performed on. Well, he made it a good one, at least, you know, so leaving on a high note there. <laughs> he just retired immediately. He's like, I can't sing any other theme songs. This one is perfect. The uh, the loudest and rowdiest Elvises get to go backstage and meet the wrestlers. So <laughs> there you go. Um, I didn't realize this about the song until someone pointed it out. It sounds kind of like a mix between Elvis and Kryptonite by Three Doors Down. Because the drumming and the melody sounds very similar. And they also reference Superman in the theme. So I'm just saying, Garrett, it's another weird coincidence in this totally original theme song. So when Three Doors Down were writing the song... <laughs> All right. <laughs> time travel, something about Dale Oliver's <laughs> genius being ripped off. It, it all adds up when you really think about it. Yes, yes. Um, and to bring it full circle, by the way, uh, this song was reused in 04 as the theme for the Kings of Wrestling Stable with Jeff Jarrett, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall. So there you go, Garrett. It all comes together. It's, it's like poetry. It rhymes. It fits somewhat less for Hall, Jarrett, and Nash than it fits for <laughs> Sonny Siaki, Jorge Estrada, and Jimmy Yang, especially considering like their main eventing shows coming out to this song for some reason dressed in Elvis costumes. God bless Nash and Hall just being like, I think we should dress like Elvis for this big pay-per-view main event against Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, and Randy Savage in Randy Savage's final pro wrestling match. I think we should dress like Elvis. A match where Randy shows up at the very end, does one punch, roll up, wins, and we never see him in TNA again. Like, sure, why not, right? Come on. <laughs> and it was probably the highest paid person on the show by like a margin of four to do 30 <laughs> seconds work. God, if only we could all make that kind of money. Yeah, well, um, all right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mad. Thank you so much for listening. And Garrett, thank you so much for being here again. As always, a pleasure whenever you're on talking about impact themes and just impact in general. And uh, Lord willing, we'll do this again for Impact 30. How about that? Or Impact 40. Or <laughs> Listen, like TNA, we could have talked about so many other things. Like when you think of some of the more famous theme songs that you probably covered on the show ad nauseum at this stage, like Get Ready to Fly or Beer Money's theme or the Motor City Machine Guns theme or the Abyss theme or My World or all these like real great pieces of music. Like TNA have just had some tremendous entrance music through the years and down to now like i'm the fire and like ace austin's pump to win theme you still get great theme songs on the show every week so i i think it's it's nice to spotlight the music of, of tna and impact wrestling through the years because they have for the most part there's some like stinkers we should do like a worst tna theme songs where we could have like the <laughs> the andrew everett theme god i hate that andrew everett theme with all my heart but <laughs> We could include some of those. But for the most part, like it was a company that I think took the idea of entrance music seriously and had some absolute serious bangers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it did break my heart not to put Monty Brown's theme on this list. But, but look, hard cuts had to be made. Choices had to be made. And I can't just put all the big bangers on one episode. Gotta, gotta save something for later. So um, yeah, next time, Garrett, next time. You can do a Monty Brown episode, which is just that and the weird, you're going down, down. Oh, yeah, just calm and smooth. Yeah, that's two banger themes right there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, uh, any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. 
You can follow me on Twitter at Garrett Kidney, G-A-O-R-E-T-T-K-I-D-N-E-Y. If you are a subscriber to this fine podcast network, if you listen to Andrew's show on the actual general voices of wrestling feed, you have probably seen the show called You've Got to Be Kidding Me, which is our TNA wrestling history podcast, where we cover a month of TNA at a time. Or if you just subscribe to the Music of the Mat feed, just go search You've Got to Be Kidding Me in your podcast platform of choice. We'll have a, a very fun 20th anniversary episode going up this Sunday where a bunch of people from across the the wrestling world will be talking about TNA. People like John Pollock from Post Wrestling, people like John Blood from Deadlock and New Legacy, people like Sarah Flan from uh, Journey to Grill Island, people like Trevor Dame from Through the Years will be sharing their TNA memories. I think that's going to be a very fun episode and me and Liam. I think there's going to be 14 people on it in total if they all submit it by the end. So that, that, that so you can look forward to that episode on, on Sunday celebrating TNA history. I think it'll be a very, very good time. Yeah, sounds like fun, for sure, definitely. And uh, Music of the Met is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, just like Garrett said. You can find all the great podcasts on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord for all discussions and comments. VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Donate for all donations. Uh, just click the big Donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat. Or, you've got to be kidding me, either one works fine there. If you donate, hey, thanks so much, you're awesome. And of course, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Uh, Garrett, thank you again, and I'll see you around. It's a pleasure as always. All right, for Garrett Kidney, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.